Thank God for all those that volunteer in that. I'm going back with Megan and Rodney today. Go Packers! Right. <laughs> Didn't quite make it. Didn't quite make it. <laughs> Go Tar Heels. He's my Clemson fan. He, I pick on him all the time about Tar Heels. <clears throat> they need your prayers right now. They really do. So, amen. All right. Let's open up our Bibles to James chapter 1. We have been doing, uh, talking this year uh, about what the word the Lord gave us about uh, 2020 and how the Lord said that, uh, that 2020 was going to be a year of clarity, a year that we see ourselves the way God sees us, and that we also... Uh, not only that, but that, that uh, not only that we see ourselves the way God sees us, but more importantly, really, that we see that we see the way God sees. You know, I heard somebody uh, I heard somebody this week make this comment, and 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 uh, and I agree with it. It said that you know, really, there's there's only three opinions that matter in your life. Three, you know, three voices that matter. Three opinions. Number one, uh, and probably the most important, is what your opinion of God is. In other words, what your thought about God is, what you think about God, how you think He, what, who you think God is. Because if you have the wrong image of God, if you have the wrong thought about God, then it's going to mess everything up. You know, for example, if you don't, if you don't know that God is a good God, and you think that God's up there mad at you and out to get you and going to strike you down if you make, make one more mistake or something like that, if that's your attitude of God, then you're going to struggle in your Christian walk. You know, and that's and that's going to be uh, that's going to be you know really uh, really uh, just going to be hard for you. You know, so what what you think about God, but probably and actually I said that backwards. Probably the the first one, the most important the most important one to understand is this: what God thinks about you. You have to understand what God thinks about you, and what His opinion of you is. And the Bible, throughout the Bible, God's opinion of us is good. God, th- when He thinks of us. Man, he thinks he thinks that he thinks that we're that we're the apple of his eye. You know, your your picture's on his refrigerator. Amen. He carries your he carries your picture around in his wallet. He loves he loves you so much. Amen. So I mean, if you know, we always that's kind of a, a funny example, but but if, if God had a refrigerator, your picture would be on it. Amen. That's how much he thinks about you. So what is what God thinks about you? What you think about God? Both of those things are important. But you know, the, another one, a third one is this, what you think about yourself. Because, you know, the Bible, the Bible says, it's very interesting, when the Bible tells us to love our neighbor, you know, he throws this little phrase in there. He says, you know, love your neighbor as yourself. So in other words, if you, if you don't love yourself, you can't love your neighbor the way God wants you to. Now, that's an interesting, that, that's an interesting thought, isn't it? That if, if you don't if you don't have a good opinion of yourself, a good thought about yourself, then you're then you're going to struggle walking out the things of the of the Lord. And those three, when you put those three things together, when you truly understand what God thinks about you, and then you have the right thoughts about God, then you'll be able to think the right thoughts about yourself. And then you know what? What you think about me, what somebody else thinks about me, that doesn't even matter. That I mean. Who, who cares what anybody else thinks? If you know what God thinks about you, you think the right thoughts about God, and you think you think the right thoughts about yourself. Let everybody else deal with herself. 
Amen. And don't, don't worry about that. Amen. So, so we're going to see ourselves the way God sees us. We're going to see our circumstances the way God sees them. And we're, we're learning to walk those things out. And we, the last few weeks, and, and even the last few weeks of 2019, we looked at, we looked at the in Christ realities. What it means to be in Christ and, and how that, that is the key. That's the key to a successful Christian life is understanding who you are in Christ. Understanding your identity in Him. Because outside of Him, you're nothing. But in Him, you're everything. I mean, that's a pretty awesome, that's a pretty awesome place to be in Christ. Because everything that God did in Christ, He did in you. Because we're in Him. And, you know, everything that He has, everything, the Bible says, as He is, as Christ is right now at this moment, so are we in this world. Man, that means, that means we have authority. That means we have, I mean, we're seated in heavenly places at the right hand of the Father. That's who we are. Now, okay, some of you may not be excited about it, but that's pretty good news. I don't know about you, but I'd rather be seated in heavenly places than be seated in the seat of the scornful. Be sitting beside, be sitting beside the, the person over there talking all the negative stuff and, and, you know, and, and telling you all the bad stuff. I, I don't want to be seated beside Him. I want to be seated in heavenly places. Amen. Take, take, we need to learn to take our place. And, that's, and, and really, last week we started talking about that because we understand that, that so much of what Paul talked about, so much of what even what Jesus was teaching, um, and especially in Paul's teachings, that so much of it had to do with our spiritual condition. And we talked at length about how that the, the biggest problem for the, for the normal Christian, the normal church attendee, is the fact that, that we don't see ourselves as spiritual beings. That we just see ourselves as physical, and the spiritual only comes into play when we're at church on Sundays. But that is the furthest from the truth. The Bible says actually that, and, and it teaches throughout that your spirit man is more real than any other part of you. You're, when, you know, if, if we if we uh, outlive the coming of the Lord, if Jesus tarries His coming, and I, I really, I really and truly believe that He'll come back in my lifetime. I just, with with everything we see happening. I just, I just don't see much how, how it could be much longer. But if, he, if, if Jesus did tarry His coming, and there came a time when, when our heart stopped beating and our lungs stopped breathing and, and we laid this body down, this body would go back to the ground and after so many years it would decay. It would go back to dust. But guess what? Your spirit man will live forever. Your spirit man will never die. And so the spirit being, the real you, the person on the inside, the real you is more real than, than this physical body that we, that, we, that we see and that we use to interact with this world. So we have to start seeing ourselves, when, you know, with the statement about that we see ourselves the way God sees us. Well, how does God see us? Well, He sees us as spiritual beings. We're created in His image. Well, what's His image? His image is a spirit. The Bible says God is a spirit, and we're created in His image, in His likeness. So, so therefore, when God created us, He created us, first and foremost, a spirit being. So, so we have to start learning, and we have to start realizing that, that if we're going to be successful, if we're going to walk out and live out the promises of God and be successful in this world, we have to start learning to live from the inside out. To start living out from the Spirit 
to start letting what's on the inside of us come out and affect what's on the outside. Amen. So last week we started talking about that a little bit, and we're gonna we're gonna the next few weeks we're gonna hit that and, and talk about it. So here in James chapter one, just real quick, we'll read this. This is kind of our theme text that we're using uh, for this series. In James chapter one, verse twenty-two, it says, "But be doers of the word, and not hearers only, deceiving your own selves. For if any be a hearer of the word and not a doer," He is like unto a man beholding his natural face in a glass or in a mirror. For he beholdeth himself and goes his way, and straightway forget, forgetteth what manner of man he was. But whosoever looketh into the perfect law of liberty and continueth therein, he being not a forgetful hearer, but a doer of the work, this man shall be blessed in his deed. So, so we've talked about the importance of getting the Word of God in us and hearing the Word and then becoming a doer of the Word, letting the Word affect your, your everyday life. If all you do is come in on a Sunday morning and hear, hear a message, hear somebody read a couple of scriptures and make a few points and say amen and you walk out the door and, you, and, and that, that message, that the Word, the words of the Lord, the words of the, the minister or whatever the case may be, as you walk out, if that doesn't make a difference in your life, then you've really just wasted your time. Because the Word of God should be changing the way you live every single day. It should be making a difference in your life. Every day you should be able to see the effects of the Word of God on your life. You know, I'm going through the book of Proverbs, and uh, and it's amazing to me how how I just, just in the, uh, you know, and I've done that, you know, multiple times during the year. I do that, but the Lord's the Lord told me, instructed me this year to do it, you know, to do it all year, to read one chapter a day, you know, on each day of the month. But it's amazing, even even as I'm going back through, uh, I, I'm you know, in the second day now, chapter Proverbs chapter two. It's amazing as I as I'm reading, I can see how how I can apply that scripture to my life. And I think back, and I'm like, man, if I just if I just realized that. You know, three weeks ago when I went through that other thing, then I, I could have used that. I could have quoted that scripture, and that would have helped me in that situation. You see, what what are you doing? You're becoming a doer of the word. You're, you're getting the word in you so that you can become a doer of the word. Why? So that you don't forget what you look like. We put this this picture up here about this little cat looking in a mirror, and and the little cat may think he's he's small and little and not making much of a difference, but when he looks in that mirror, he sees the lion. And you see, that's the way it is. When we look into the Word, we look into this perfect law of liberty and we see ourselves and then we allow what we see to change what we do out there. If you're just looking in here, if you're just looking here and then, and then not letting it change you, then he says you're, you're a forgetful here. You're a, a hearer of the Word only. And he said that, you know, that, that you're just gonna, you'll forget what manner of man you were. I don't want to forget who God said I am. I want, I want who God says I am to be who I am. I want Him to affect me, not, not the world around me, not my circumstances around me. Amen. Now turn with me to Colossians chapter 2. Let's dig into this a little bit deeper. We're going to go to Philemon again. We ended at Philemon, I think, last week. And we're going to get back there in just a second. But I want to, um, as I was studying this week, I came across this scripture. And, and uh, I want to touch on this just for a moment before we get to Philemon. Because we're talking about how to... If it's true, all these things that we've been talking about, all these in Him realities and these scriptures that are that are in the Word of God that tell us who we are, 
tell us what God has done for us. And, and uh, if, if it's true that all of that is in us, then how do we get it out? Because, you know, if, if, I, if I were to put a million dollars in your bank account and you didn't know it, or worse yet, you knew it but didn't know how to access it, it wouldn't do, be, it wouldn't do you very much good, would it? As a matter of fact, it would make you very frustrated. If you knew that you had a million dollars, if you just knew how to access it, but you couldn't get to it, how frustrating would that be? I mean, you know, here you are behind on your bills. They're about to repo your car. You know, you can't hardly buy groceries, but yet you got a million dollars sitting in an account somewhere. You just can't get to it. That's pretty frustrating, isn't it? Well, is it much different for the Christian who reads Scriptures and, and who, who sees the Scripture that says, sin shall no longer have dominion over you. You don't have to serve sin, but here you are messing with sin every day and sin's affecting you and sin's got you bound by chains and you're addicted and you're, 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 you know, you feel like you're, everything's just piling on top of you. But you, you read the Word, you open the Word and it says, you know, you're free from sin and you're not supposed to sin and, and, you know, sin has no power over you. Well, how frustrating is that? It's very frustrating. I mean, I, hey, I've been there. And, I, and that's no fun. When you see a truth in the Word and you see what God says, but yet it's, you can't live it out in your life, that is, that is probably one of the most frustrating things about the Christian life for me. So we're learning. So what we're doing here, we're learning how to see things the way God sees it, see ourselves the way God sees us, and then live out of what He's put on the inside of us. Because see, because we and we've looked at these scriptures. Colossians tells us that we are complete in Him. First Corinthians, we saw this scripture where it says that says that every spiritual blessing has been put on the inside of every one of us. Every blessing God has has been put on the inside of us. But yet, how many of us are walking in every single blessing that God has for us? I probably doubt very few of us of any of us. Now listen, you, you realize the, the one prayer I can guarantee you that God will never answer. The one prayer God, I guarantee you that God will never answer. He will never answer a prayer that you pray asking Him to do something that He's already done. Did you hear that? If you're praying a prayer asking God to do something that He has already done, He's not going to come back down here and do it again. Jesus is not going to go back to the cross and die again just because you don't understand what you have. It's time for us not only, you know, and like I said, I've said this many times in this the last few weeks, we don't necessarily need another sermon. What we need is understanding to know what to take what we've already learned and to put it into practice and to walk it out, to be to practical, day-to-day information that we can take and we can start saying, hey, here's, here's, here's a way that I can apply this to my life and I can start seeing what God has done on the inside of me come to, to the outside. Amen. And here in Colossians chapter 2, verse number 8, he says this. Uh, Colossians 2, 8, he says this, Beware lest any man spoil you through philosophy and vain deceit, after the tradition of men, after the rudiments of the world, and not after Christ. Now listen to the Amplified of that. The Amplified says it this way, See to it 
that no one carries you off as spoil or makes you yourselves captive by his so-called philosophy and intellectualism and vain deceit, idle fancies and plain nonsense, following human tradition, men's ideas of the material rather than the spiritual world. Did you see that? Just crude notions following the rudimentary, the rudimentary and elemental teachings of the universe and disregarding the teachings of Christ the Messiah. So notice what he said. Paul, Paul was telling the church there, don't let somebody come in and tell you to follow man's ways and not follow God's ways. Just because they sound smart, just and you probably don't have that that problem with me because I can't pronounce words and I get tripped up on you. Don't have to worry about the intellectualism, uh, you know, from here the the fancy words. But but you know, people will try to people will try to will try to uh, you know tell you because they're so smart because they're so they have they know so many big words and they can do this and they can do that then you know you should listen to them but Paul Paul told the church there said listen don't listen to somebody just because they just because they have a big vocabulary don't listen to somebody when they're telling you to follow man's ways instead of God's ways follow the traditions of man how how did the amplified say it there it said uh the middle of that said that uh it says, following human traditions, men's ideas of the material rather than the spiritual world. You see, we, so much of the time, and, and we're all guilty of this, we focus more on the material world than we do the spiritual world. We focus on, we focus on what we can touch, taste, smell, feel, and hear. And what Paul said here was this, be very careful about letting men sway you just simply because of something material when it goes against what God says in His Word. And, and that, sometimes that can be very hard to do. But we, have, we must change. We have, to, we have to change the way we think about who we are. If nothing else, over the next, over the next month or so, three or four weeks... If I can get you to think spiritual more than material, then you'll be light years ahead of most people. If if when a problem arises, if you'll think first about if you'll think first spiritually, in other words, if you'll involve God in it before you involve yourself in it, then you then you will set yourself up for success. Amen. So how does the enemy defeat us? How, you know, how does he use this against us? And here's how he does it. He, I mean, Paul tells us here that, you know, that, that men, you know, he said, don't let men tear you off captive. Don't let them, don't let them persuade you. Don't let them pull you off. But here's the way, here's the way the enemy will get us and, and gets us so many times is he gets you and I to start thinking contrary or opposite of what the word says. Now, I've heard Bill Johnson say this, and I've heard other people too, but I think Bill Johnson was the first one I heard say it. But he said that, you know, I cannot afford to have one thought in my head that is not in God's head. That's not in His thoughts. In other words, if I'm thinking something that God's not thinking, I don't have time for it. If, if I'm thinking something contrary, if, if I'm thinking... Um, you know, how could we say that? If, if, you know, you go to the doctor and you get a, you get a bad doctor's report. 
then if I spend my time thinking about the bad doctor's report instead of thinking what God says about it, then what am I doing? I'm building that doctor's report up bigger than what God is. I don't have, see. You're spending your time doing something. You know, we talk about meditating. We talk about the importance of meditating on the Word, getting the Word on the inside of you, and it's so important. And I've heard, I've had people tell me, "Well, Pastor, I can't meditate. I can't just think about the Word. I can't, you know, I, I just, I don't know how to do that." And I always ask them this question. I say, "Well, when was the last time you worried about something?" Oh, well, man, I just I was worrying about this this morning. You know, I was worrying about, you know, I heard this or I saw this. And I was just worrying about it. Well, guess what? You meditated on it. Yeah. Worry is meditation. Yeah. You're meditating on the negative. It's the same thing. So don't tell me you don't know how to meditate or you can't meditate. Some of y'all should have trophies for your meditation. <laughs> you worry so much. I've literally had people tell me that they could that they could not stop worrying. You know, I've talked to them about you know, well, you shouldn't worry, you shouldn't think about that, you shouldn't, you know. But they, oh, Pastor, I just, you know, if if I couldn't worry, I don't know what I would do. I mean, I've heard that come out of people's mouths, and I tell them, I was like, well, I can tell you what you need to do. Think on what God thinks. Line your thoughts up with His thoughts. You know, and, and I'll ask this question. Well, how, how, how much good has worrying done you? Well, none. As a matter of fact, it caused ulcers or it caused me to lose my hair. It caused me to not to sleep at night. Then I'm like, well, then I would at least try thinking God's way. Yeah. It can't be no worse. Yeah. Thinking God's way is not going to give you ulcers. not going to make you lose your hair. It's not going to keep you... As a matter of fact, if I, I tell people this all the time too. They, they talk about, you know, people talk about they can't sleep. And I, I say, I, I can tell you a surefire way you can go to sleep. And, and they'll say, how's that? I'll say, just start praying. How many of you have ever tried to lay down and pray at night? Man, you'll fall asleep just like that. You know, because man, the enemy's not going to keep you awake if all you're doing is sitting there praying. <laughs> now I understand there's some sometimes that doesn't work like that, but 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 it's but it is good that it's it's good it's a good practice to to understand that that we have to start thinking and start seeing start seeing our problems and our situations start seeing ourselves the way God does. Now listen, the only time now listen to this. I, I wrote this down and and the Lord gave me this the other night and and while I was studying, the only time you will find yourself limited is when you don't realize that you are in Christ. If you, if you come across the thought, if the thought crosses your mind that, you're, that you are limited, that you don't have enough, that, that something's not going to work out, that, that you're having problems, that, you know, or something that you're worrying about how this is going to work out, the only reason you're having that thought is because you're not thinking that you're in Christ. Because in Christ, you're complete. In Christ, you have everything you need. You're blessed with every spiritual blessing in Christ. So if you have a limiting thought, and, you, and you're thinking about something that is limiting you, and something that, that is, is stopping you, then the only reason you're having that thought is because you're not, you don't yet have that realization that you're in Christ. And now listen, you, you can have that thought here, and you can agree with me and you say, Pastor, I know I'm in Christ. I'm a new creation. You know, 2 Corinthians 5, 17, all things made new. I'm a new creation. I'm in Christ. You know, I prayed those Paul's prayers that you gave me. And I, I'm doing all that. I understand that. 
you know, and you can agree with me here, and then you can walk right out the door and, and entertain a negative thought that will wipe away everything that you just said in here. You see, the, the, the realization of that you're in Christ is not something you do one time. It's a every moment realization. Every time something happens, it's your first thought should be, I'm in Christ. I have everything I need to face this. I'm in Christ. I have the mind of Christ. I'm in Him. So I can think like He thoughts. I, I have His thoughts about this, this circumstance. I'm not alone. I'm not, I'm not by myself here because I'm in Christ. He's with me. He'll never leave me nor forsake me. You see, that's thinking spiritual and not thinking like the world. And it's a, it's a moment-by-moment thing that you have to do. As a matter of fact, turn over to uh, Philemon. We saw, this scripture, we saw this Scripture last week, and we just kind of touched on it. I, I want to just look at a little bit more about it. Philemon, verse 6. It's right before the book of Hebrews, page 1580 in my Bible. may, may or may not help you. <clears throat> Philemon, this was a letter that Paul wrote to uh, a brother in, in Christ, and his name was Philemon. And he was talking to Philemon about, uh, he was praying for Philemon and telling him that he had heard about the good things that Philemon was doing. Philemon and his wife and his son actually uh, had a house church. Uh, church history tell, tells us this. They, had a, they, they hosted a church in their house. And, you know, so they were the leaders. They were leaders of a, of a home, a home group or a cell church, whatever, a house church, however you want to say that. In that day, you know, if, if you remember in that, in, back in Paul's days, they talked about how the believers, how the believers would go, uh, how the believers would go from house to house breaking bread. You know, they didn't, they necessarily didn't have big churches like we have now. They, they went from house to house. You know, and, and then they would meet, they would meet together as big groups as well. But, but Philemon was a leader of one of those, uh, him and his family led one of these churches. But Paul was praying for him here in verse 4 and 5. Paul just said this. Paul said, I thank God in verse 4, Philemon verse 4. He says, I thank my God making mention of you always in my prayers, hearing of your love and your faith, which you have toward the Lord Jesus and toward all the saints. So he was encouraging him. He was saying, you're doing a great job. And he said, I'm praying for you. And here's what Paul said he prayed for him. Now notice this. Paul said this in verse 6. He says that he was telling him that he was praying for him. He says, he says and I'm praying that the communication of your faith may become effectual. Now, let's stop right there just for a moment. And as a matter of fact, let's just go ahead and put it up from the Amplified there, Paul, if you would. And this just kind of makes it, brings it out a little bit. It says this, And I pray that the participation in and the sharing of your faith may produce and promote full recognition and appreciation and understanding and precise knowledge of every good thing that is ours in our identification with Christ Jesus and unto His glory. So Paul, he, when he was praying, he, he prayed this. He said, I pray, Philemon, as you are sharing the gospel, as you're sharing with other people, he said, here's how, here, here's how it's going to be effectual. He said, I pray that your faith would be effectual. In other words, that people will see your faith. They'll understand what you're talking about. How? By acknowledging every good thing that is in Christ Jesus. Uh, put the, uh, the King James back up, yeah. That the communication of your faith may become effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing which is in you in Christ Jesus. 
So Paul told Philemon, he said, one of the ways that you can demonstrate to people, one of the ways that you can, that you can help people is showing them and your faith, one of the ways your faith will become effectual. Now, what does it mean for his faith to be effectual? We can make it real plain and simple just to say this. His faith would work. In other words, when he prayed for something, it can't, he got the prayer. He got the answer. When he, you know, when, he, when he laid hands on the sick, they were healed. When somebody had a need and they prayed for him, that need was met. His faith was effectual. If your faith is effectual, if your faith is working, then that's a good thing. And Paul told him, he said, I'm praying that by you sharing your faith, that you're, by, 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 you, by your communication, when you preach, when you minister, when you're sharing your, the love that you have for everybody, he said that I'm praying that your faith will be effectual by the acknowledging of every good thing that is in you by, or in Christ Jesus. Now, that's interesting. The word acknowledge, as, as I was looking this up, I, I, a lot of times I'll just, you know, look and, and try to, try to pull words out. The word acknowledge, I looked this up from uh, the Webster Dictionary, and here's what the word acknowledge means. From the Webster's, it says this, to accept or to admit the existence or truth of something. To accept or to admit the existence of the truth, the existence or the truth of something. The second definition was this, to recognize the rights, the authority, and the status of something. So here's, here's what he's saying. If the, word, if the word acknowledge means to accept or to admit the existence or the truth of something, he said this, he said, or Philemon, he said one of the ways that, that your faith becomes effectual is when you start admitting and start accepting everything that God has done on the inside of you. And it becomes your confession. You admit it. You accept it. You recognize that that's something that's on the inside of you. You see, because here, most of the time when we, when we encounter a problem, most of the time, here's what you'll hear people say. I just don't think I can make it through this. I just don't know, I don't know how in the world that we're going to make it. I don't know how in the world I'm going to pay that bill. I don't know how in the world, you know, I don't know how, you know, boy, I, I mean, this, this is just too, this is just too hard for me. Well, are you, are you acknowledging what's in you or are you acknowledging what's in the flesh? Now, in the flesh, that may be the truth. But see, one of the things, one of the ways, like I said, one of the ways that the enemy will attack us and that he defeats so many people is he gets them to think opposite of what the Word says. But see, if we will start acknowledging what God says, if we'll start accepting it and start recognizing it, when a situation comes up, then we'll be able to say, I'm well able to face this. I have every, God has put everything on the inside of me. I am in Christ. In Him, I have everything I need to face this situation. And with His help, we will make, we will make it through this with no problems. What are you doing? I'm acknowledging, I'm accepting, I'm recognizing what God has done in me, and I'm agreeing with it. You know, the power of agreement is a, is a wonderful thing. The Scripture says this, that one can put a thousand to flight, but two, not, two will not put two thousand to flight, but the Bible says two will put ten thousand to flight. Yeah. The power of agreement. When you agree with what God says, now listen, God's, God's power, is, it, it doesn't necessarily need your agreement to be powerful. It needs your agreement 
to work in your life. His Word is powerful. Uh, we, we heard this morning in our foundations class, I love that, in Luke chapter 2 where it says that, uh, it says that uh, nothing is impossible with, with God. The, in that Scripture, that, that those, those words mean this, that no thing or no word is... And, and then that word impossible, that word impossible means void of power. The, the no thing or no word of God is void of the power that is needed to see that word accomplished. So when God speaks a word, that word contains all the power that is needed to see that word come to pass. All it needs, all you need is to agree with it. And when you agree with it, then man, you'll see it in your life. So when we start agreeing with what God says is on the inside of us, then that's when we're going to start seeing these things happen. But see, Satan will try to steal your identity just like he did with Eve. He'll try to get you to believe that you're somebody that you're not. Or, you can say that the other way too, he'll try to get you to believe that you're not something that you are. He'll start telling you, you know, oh, well, don't you know you're not smart enough to, to get that job? Don't you know you don't have, you know, you, you come from the wrong side of the tracks to talk to that person. You know, you, your education, you know, you don't have enough education to go to that, that school or that, to that place. You know, and see, and, and, and the enemy, and if you buy into that lie, then, then the enemy can steal your identity. He can steal, he can steal your, your inheritance. Because God says that you have everything you need on the inside of you. Every spiritual blessing you've been blessed with is already there. Now turn with me to First uh, Corinthians real quick, and let me show you. We'll, this is just where we'll we'll finish up here this morning. But First Corinthians chapter one, you see, because and and that's where this this page I gave you, um, this sheet I gave you, and I think we've got some more. If you hadn't picked one up, you can get one back there. But this sheet I gave you to have the three prayers that Paul prayed uh, out of Ephesians one, Colossians one, and Ephesians three. And there's actually about seven prayers that Paul prayed. We just read one in Philemon. He said, he told Philemon he was praying for him. You know, I mean, that was a prayer. But I've just listed the three here in Ephesians 1, 3, and Colossians 1. But, but this whole prayer is all about getting you to understand spiritually who you are. And then on the back of it, on the back of it is all these in him scriptures. And when, in Christ or in him, in whom, and, and when you when you read these scriptures, you you need to start saying you need to agree with it and say if that's if if that's what it says in Christ, then that's me. Amen. I have that in Christ because I'm in Christ. And if I'm in Christ, then I have what it says. So here's one of those scriptures: First Corinthians one verse thirty. And he's talking here, in, in, in just so you get this in context, he's talking here that. Uh, that God's chosen the foolish things of the world and, and that nobody can brag. Basically, he's saying that so that nobody will be able to brag, uh, you know, or, or glory in the presence of the Lord, that it's all Him. But then in verse 30, he says this, But of Him, uh, of Him are you in Christ Jesus, who of God is made unto us wisdom and righteousness and sanctification and redemption. Now let's read that from the... Amplified, and then we'll, we'll explain that. The Amplified says this, But it is from Him, from God, that you have your life in Christ Jesus, whom God made our wisdom from God, 
revealed to us in a knowledge of the divine plan of salvation, previously hidden, manifesting itself as our righteousness, thus making us upright and putting us in right standing with God, and our consecration, making us pure and holy, and our redemption, providing our ransom for, from eternal penalty for sin. So here's what that verse said. Paul said this. He said, he said, but you have to remember that it's Christ, it's God that put us in Christ. And when He put us in Christ, He made some things. He did some things for us. What did He do? He made Jesus to be our wisdom. Now, come on now. I mean, put your thinking hats on just for a moment. Philemon said that we have to acknowledge every good thing that's in us. Here, Paul tells us, or Paul, Paul was writing to Philemon, telling us that. Here, Paul tells us this. He said, here's some things that God has done for you as He puts you in Christ. He says that God is made unto us, He's made unto us wisdom. So there should never be a time when you and I say, I can't understand that. You know, I'm not smart enough to, 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 to grasp that. Or I just don't know, or, or you know, even this one. I don't know what to do. Because in Christ, Jesus has been made our wisdom. The Bible says that we have the mind of Christ. So when you get in a situation where you don't know what to do, instead of saying something contrary to God's Word, you should start acknowledging, recognizing, agreeing that Jesus is your wisdom. That in Christ, you have all the wisdom you need. And you can turn that around and, and you can make that into a prayer. You can even say, you know, you can say, God, thank you that, that in Christ... Jesus is my wisdom. And because He's my wisdom, I have all the wisdom I need. I have all the knowledge I need right now of this situation. And you are showing me, and I'm listening, and you're speaking to me, and I'm going to hear what you would have me to do, because you are my wisdom. Instead of saying, I just don't know what to do. You know, I always make the wrong decision. You see, one is contrary to the Word of God, and the other is acknowledging what God has done in you. He goes on in this verse to say that He's been made your righteousness. Or, and we know, we, we've looked at this on Wednesday night, we looked at this just a couple weeks ago, that we, we have been made righteous. We're not, we're not becoming righteous. We're not, uh, you know, we don't become more righteous than we are right now. When, when we accepted Jesus as our Savior, He took our sin he, and we took His righteousness. We were made righteous. You and I are as righteous as we will ever be. And that's in Him. Now listen, you might say, well, Pastor, you don't know what I did. You know, you don't know, man, i got this problem. And I've heard all kinds of different uh, stories about this. I heard Creflo telling this story again the other day. I was listening to him and he said that this guy came up to him and told him he had a, he had a problem smoking weed. Said he just smoked. He said he smoked weed all the time and just couldn't stop. And 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 uh, Creflo said Creflo said he looked like Linus off of uh, off of uh, Charlie Brown. Said that's how much he had smoked. Said he said he had smoked so much weed. Said he said he looked like Linus. Said a cloud just followed him everywhere he went. And said you know said this guy said I just can't stop smoking weed. And and Creflo said he had tried to help him a couple times and said finally the Holy Spirit just told Creflo to tell him this. He said he said I tell you what to do. He said here's what you do. 
He said, every time you go to, you go to roll up you a joint, you go to, you know, fire that thing up and smoke that thing, he said, I want you to say this. He said, I want you to say, I am the righteousness of, of God in Christ. And, and he said, and he said, then every time you go to take a puff of that joint, he said, I want you to say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. And the guy's like, even when I'm smoking a joint? You know, Crepolo said, yeah, even when you're smoking a joint. And he said, he said about, he said about two or three months later, and he said about two or three months later, he ran into this guy, and he said he was clean, said he, he you know, he said he's obviously taking a bath and, and put new clothes on, and said he, he looked like a different person. And said he told said he told Creflo, he said, you know, I did what you told me to do. And he said, I thought it was the stupidest thing there for a while. He said, because I'd be he said, I'd be rolling my joint saying, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. He said, I'd be taking a big puff. And he said, I'd be I'd take a puff and say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ, you know, and blow it out. You know. And and he said, I kept doing that and kept doing it. He said, but you know, one day he said, I can't tell you when it was. He said, I can't even tell you how how long it was. He said, but one day he said, he said, I just had this thought. He said, I was rolling that thing up. And he said, it almost just got to be a habit where I was just saying it. And he said, I rolled that joint up and he said, I went to fire it up. And he said, and I said it again. He said, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. And he said, all of a sudden it just hit me. He said, well, if I'm the righteousness of God in Christ, what am I doing doing this? And he said, I put that thing down. He said, I hadn't touched it since. What happened? He was acknowledging who he was even when he was in the midst of doing it. And all of a sudden, you know, like he said, he said, I couldn't tell you. He said, he said, I don't know that it was progressive. He said, it just happened all of a sudden to me. He said, all of a sudden, one day I was just getting ready to do it. And I thought, if I'm the righteousness of God, then why am I doing this? I don't need this. Amen. And he said, and he said, he put it down and hadn't touched it since. Amen. And you see, that, that is a perfect example of acknowledging what was in him and it made his faith effectual. Now, it may not have happened overnight for him, and it may not happen overnight for you, but if you will acknowledge what is in you, then you then you'll start walking in that. You see, you can't let your you can't let your behavior determine your identity. It's right opposite of that. You let your identity determine your behavior. You start saying who you are. You start acknowledging who you are in Christ. You start saying, I am the righteousness of God. I am, I have the wisdom of God. Here, he, he lists two other things here. He says, he says, I, you know, I have been sanctified in Christ. The, the amplified added with sanctification, he added consecration or making us pure and holy. You realize sanctification is an ongoing process. We, we're, we're, you know, as we, as we make the right choices and do the right things, we're becoming more and more sanctified. Where righteousness is a one-time deal, sanctification is an ongoing process. But in Christ, I, I, have, I am sanctified. In Christ. And then, then the last one is redemption. And, you know, the Scripture tells us redemption is the, the whole plan of salvation. In Christ, I have redemption. The, one of the Scriptures that we read in our... If you've been reading the prayers that I gave you, one of those at the end of that says, says that, you know, that in Him I have redemption, which means the forgiveness of my sins. We've been redeemed. We've been bought back. We've been bought with a price. I went to Brazil back when I was uh, right out of high school and... And my interpreter, she loved this story, and everywhere I went, she made me tell this story. But it's a it's a perfect picture of uh, this little boy had had taken 
had taken the time and he had, he had carved out a, a, a ship. And they lived next to the river. And he had carved out a ship, you know, with his knife and, and made a real nice sailboat and had the nice sails on it. And, and, uh, and he was playing one night and, and he left it tied up. You know, he, he had tied it up to the, to the, uh, a tree there or something. And, and he ran, he went in to get supper or something, forgot about it. Well, that night, a storm came or rain came and the, the, the river washed his boat away. And, you know, he looked for it and looked for it and never did find it. Well, about a month or two later, he was going through town and he saw his boat sitting in a window of a store. And he got so excited and he ran in and he said, he said, Mr. Mr., that's my boat. He said, I want my boat. He said, I made that boat. And, and the, the store owner said, well, sir, he said, he said, young boy, said, I understand. So that may be your, he said, you may have made that. He said, but I own that now. And he says, if you want it, he said, you have to pay for it. And he told him how much it was. Well, the little boy went home and, and he was determined. He said, I want to, I want to make enough money to buy my boat back. So he worked hard, you know, doing extra chores and errands and, and finally, you know, he got enough money to go buy his boat back. And he, he went to the store and sure enough, it was still there. And he threw the money on the, on the counter. He said, he said, I want that boat. And the, the owner of the store went and got it and gave it to him. And as he was walking out, walking out of the store, all the way home, he was holding that boat and he was hugging it. And he, he said these words. He said, he said, little boat, he said, he said, now you're twice mine. He said, I made you and I bought you. He said, you're twice mine. And that's exactly the way God feels about us. He made us and He bought us with a price. And that price was the precious blood of Jesus Christ. Through the blood of Jesus, we've been redeemed. In Him, we are redeemed. And see, there's nothing the enemy can do to change the fact that you and I are redeemed. And we, and, and we acknowledge that and we say that. And as we acknowledge it... Now listen, this, in this one Scripture... In verse 30 in this one Scripture, it just mentions four things. And they're all throughout the Scripture. You can find these all throughout the New Testament about, about the good things that are in us because of, because of Christ Jesus. Wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. If, if, if Just those four things, if that's all there were, that would be wonderful. But there's so much more. And you can, and Philemon, in Paul's letter to Philemon, he says that your faith will become effectual, your faith will start working when you acknowledge every good thing that is on, that is in you by Christ Jesus. So if you're struggling with an area, if you're, if you're having trouble, if you're not seeing the results that you want to have, then start acknowledging what God has done in you about that situation. Romans 10, you can go to Romans 10, 9 and 10. It says, you know, that, I mean, we use that scripture all the time for salvation, but it says with the, with the heart or with the mouth, confession is made unto salvation. You know, with the heart, you believe in your heart and confess with your mouth and you'll be saved. And that's exactly what acknowledging is. You, you believe, you, we have to start acknowledging. That word acknowledge, remember, means to recognize, to admit, and to accept that it's true. And when I accept what God has done in me, and I start confessing it, in other words, I believe it, and I say it. That's how salvation happens. And guess what? That's how, that's how you receive anything from God. It's called by faith. You believe it in your heart, and you confess it with your mouth, because, you're, because your mouth will confess what you believe. You don't have to be around somebody too long in, in, especially in a pressure situation, to know really what they believe. 
Why? Because your mouth is hooked to your heart. That's the reason Solomon said, guard your heart above all things. Why? Because it, it, it reveals, I mean, is the, it, it, it carries the issues of life. You have to guard what you put in your heart because that, that's who you truly are. And when you, when you believe what God says, when you start acknowledging what God has done in you, and like I just showed you that one scripture, 1 Corinthians 1.30, he said, he said, wisdom, righteousness, sanctification, and redemption. That's four things that God put in you, and there's a lot more. But you acknowledge those four things, and man, you'll be, you'll be well on your way to enjoying, enjoying success in your life. So whatever, whatever area you're, you're dealing with, start acknowledging what God has done in you instead of saying something contrary. I love, we, you know, we talk about Malachi, uh, a lot when, when it comes to, to finances and stuff, but I love in Malachi, the last book of the Old Testament, you can go and read this, you know, in Malachi, the, the prophet was talking there, he said that, uh, God through the, through the prophet Malachi said this, he says, you know, your words have been stout against me. Now think about that. If we stood, if you stood before God right now, would he would he would he have to tell you that your words have been stout against him? In other words, what he meant what he was saying was this. You're saying, you know, in Malachi I said, you know, you say that it doesn't pay to serve God. You know that that the wicked are better than you are. And and God said that 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 type of language, your words are stout against me. And for, for us in today's language, it would be when we say, when we say that, you know, I'll never get better. Well, those words are stout because in God's eyes, He already paid for healing. When we have an addiction and we say, I'll never be set free, that's stout against God. Because Jesus paid to, to break those chains off, off of you. There's no addiction that is stronger than what Jesus did on the cross. You could go right on down the list and name all these things. But when we say something contrary to what God says, our words are stout against Him. And really, I mean, you could go as far as to say we're slapping, we're slapping Jesus in the face saying what you did don't matter. That's, I mean, that's, that's pretty stout. But, but in reality, isn't that what we're saying? If I came, if I came up and offered you... If I come up and offer BJ, I say, here's $20. B, and BJ says, man, I'm hungry. I need to get something to eat. He's fasting. I better not do that. Uh, I'll come up to, to Noah. <laughs> Sorry. I, he, he is fasting. But I'll come up to Noah. Noah says, Dad, I'm hungry. And I says, well, here's $20. Go get you something to eat. And Noah just kept saying, I'm hungry, Dad. I'm hungry, Dad. And I'd be like, well, here's $20. Go get you something to eat. And he, Dad, I'm hungry. Here, go get you something to eat. And then he just rejects what I'm trying to give him. Paid for, all he has to do is accept it. Then it won't be too long before I get upset. And I, I mean, and just me in the flesh, I put it back in my pocket and say, "Well, fine, stay hungry. If you don't want to take what I, what I'm giving you, then get, stay hungry." Thank God that God doesn't do that. But isn't that what we do? He hands, he hands us his book, and he says, he says, "Here's salvation. Here's healing." Here's deliverance. Here's, here's everything that you'll ever need. That's right. And we stand there and say, well, God, if you'll only heal me. God, if you'll only, if, you'll only, if you'll only set me free. God, I've tried to do this so much on my own. God, if you'll only do something. And here's, here's His answer. Come on. And we're sitting there in His face saying, no, nah, no, nah, I, I want something else, God. I don't want that. 
You know, I want to do it my way. That's pretty stout. And the, the good news is, though, just like Paul told his, his, his brother in Christ and, and his son in the Lord, Philemon, he said, if you want your faith to be effectual, if you want your faith to start working for you, then start acknowledging, start accepting, start recognizing what, what God has done for you in Christ. We saw in, in, uh, in uh, Colossians there, in that Scripture we saw in Colossians 2.8, he says, you know, don't, don't, don't let what men's tradition, don't let somebody carry you away by men's tradition instead of, instead of looking at it from a spiritual standpoint. So we acknowledge every good thing from a spiritual standpoint. God has done on the inside of me everything that I'll ever need done from a spiritual standpoint. And when I acknowledge it, then what happens? My faith starts becoming effectual because the very thing I'm acknowledging starts to become a realization in my life. And I start seeing it. And I start walking it out. And the very thing that God has done first and foremost in me now becomes mine because it's coming out of me and I'm starting to walk in it. How? By agreeing with what God says, by acknowledging what He's done in me, not speaking contrary to it, but by acknowledging it, saying, I agree with you, God. I recognize what you've done and I will speak it and I'll say it and, and it'll make my faith effectual because, you know, you go to where Paul said, Paul said that your faith has to have works. Well, that's, that's faith having works. That's, you know, in a sense, you're, you're confessing it and you believe in it and you say in it, that's putting your faith to work. Amen. Amen. So, what do we do? We recognize that the only time that we're limited, we start recognizing if we're limited, if, we're, if, if something's not working for us, it's because we're not, we're not acknowledging that we're in Christ. And we go back and we, start, we find Scripture, we get God's Word. Now listen, if, 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 this, if this book tells you everything you need, and it tells you everything you are and everything, all, everything you can do, then wouldn't it make sense for us to want to get in this Word and work? And, and study, I should say. Get in this word and study. What if we spent, what if we spent, last thought, what if we spent as much time in this word as we do on our phones? Boy, I tell you, you leave, you leave your phone at home, man, you'll turn around and drive 30 minutes just to get your phone back. I mean, you will. I mean, man, we live with it. I mean, what, what would we do if we didn't have our phones? <laughs> We'd be free, probably. That is right. But but the reality is this: What if we treated our Bible like our phone? Man, I can't I can't I can't go without my word. I got to you know yeah you got up late yeah but I'm still I I'll, I'll I'll skip eating so I can share with my word. I can't go without my word. You know man, I've got to get I've got to get this in me. Why? Because because this 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 right here I hide it in my heart so I don't sin against God. You know, so I can acknowledge, I'll be able to acknowledge what I read today. I'll, I'll recognize and agree with it. And then, and when I start recognizing and agreeing with it, then I'll become what I see. I'll look in the mirror and I'll see myself. I'll see who I am in Christ and I'll go out and I'll live that way instead of forgetting what I look like. The picture, the picture right there. We'll, we'll see ourselves and instead of, instead of leaving it at home, We'll take it with us and we'll, we'll start walking that out. Amen. Amen. That's a good first step.
acknowledging who we are in Christ. Amen? Bow your heads with me real quick and we'll finish up. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, the first step of all of this, and I say this every week, but but it doesn't make it any less true. The first step in all of this, the very most important step is for you to have a relationship with Jesus Christ. If you, don't, if you don't know Him as your Savior, then none of this will make sense to you. But the moment that you make Him your Savior, then you become a new creation. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things become new. Hallelujah. And thank God, thank God that Jesus changed everything. We sang about that. Jesus changed everything for me. And that's what He'll do for you. If you're here today and you don't know Jesus, would you just slip your hand up? I'd love to be able to pray for you and, and introduce you to my best friend because I'm telling you, there's nobody like Jesus. Nobody like Jesus. Anybody at all. Well, let's stand to our feet. And if, you, if you're here today and you need prayer, Stacy and I would love to be able to pray for you. We'd love to be able to, to, to pray with you about anything, any need you have. Now listen, I wish that I could pray for you. And, uh, and get you, get you to just to walk out of here and start acknowledging every good thing that's in you. But you know, the reality is that's your choice. You know, you are going to have to do something with this message now. You are either going to have to just act like it doesn't matter, or you're going to have to walk out of here and start acknowledging some things that God has done in you. And, and you know, nobody can do it but you. Your husband and wife can't do it for you. Your kids, your kids, your parents. I mean, this is an individual thing. We all have to start doing this. You know, for ourselves. So I encourage you, wherever you are, whatever circumstance you're in, whatever you're facing today, just know this. When you start acknowledging what's in you, who you are in Christ and what He's done for you and what, and, and what He said you can do, when you start acknowledging that, it's then that your faith will become effectual and start working and it's then you'll start seeing it in your life as you walk it out. Amen. Thank God. Isn't God so good? That he that he that he's made it so simple for us. We've made it so hard. We've complicated it, but God has made it simple. So I encourage you to go today, go this week, acknowledge who you are in Christ. Amen. Um, tonight at six o'clock, um, we have our Super Bowl party. We encourage everybody to come out and just have a good time of fellowship. Bring your favorite tailgate food and and a drink and a dessert, and uh, we'll watch the the game or just fellowship, whatever whatever that looks like. So if you can come out, we'd love to have you. If anybody can come a little bit early to help us set tables and chairs up about 5 o'clock, we'd, we'd appreciate any help that we could get doing that. So we love you. God bless you guys. I pray you have a great week. And go Chiefs. And we're, we're pulling up for the Chiefs so that we'll see the great revival ushered in. Amen. Bob Jones' prophecy. Amen. But But if you can't make it tonight, I pray you have a great week.